This is the Youth Worker Collective Podcast. We have your back with everything from games, lessons, and coaching. YouthworkerCollective.com Welcome to the Youth Worker Collective Podcast. I am Jeremy Steele, and I've got some incredible people with me to talk about a really, really uh, interesting subject. Let's just go there. So before we we dive into how we respond when a student in our group is pregnant, let's uh, let's go around, introduce yourself, and uh, we will start with Sharon this time. Hi, I'm Sharon Cook. I am in the Wisconsin Conference. I am on conference staff working with Youth Ministry and Camp and Retreat Ministry. Audra? I'm Audra Welch-Malvez. I am the Director of Adult Ministries and Interim Director of Youth Ministries at Plymouth Park United Methodist in Irving, Texas. Scott? I'm Scott Meyer. I'm the Director of Student Ministries at McFarland Methodist Church in Norman, Oklahoma. And Chris? Hey, I used to be the Director of Youth Ministry at St. Luke's United Methodist Church in Highlands Ranch, Colorado, but now I'm the Director of Program Development for Young People's Ministries and live in Nashville, Tennessee. And you are the person who is ultimately beating their head against the wall to make our once every four years amazing youth conference happen, right? That is true. I try to minimize the headbanging as much as possible. Right. But we do Except have a lot of Except if it's Metallica, and then it's okay. Obviously. Right. And sometimes Megadeth. But... <laughs> Uh, yeah, we have a lot of wheels in motion for uh, Youth 2019. It's going to be from July 10th to the 14th, and it's going to be in Kansas City at the Convention Center downtown. We're going to take over, and it's just going to be spectacular. Can I put in a personal request? Uh, could you make sure that everybody gets a really solid list of barbecue restaurants? That I can promise. Because that, I'm going to tell you, I got saved one time in Kansas City from the barbecue. Um, it was a spiritual experience. So, uh, Thank you, you Jesus. Know, let's praise him. All right. So, <laughs> wait, wait. Was it pork? Was it pork? Of course that's it was a... pork. That's a ridiculous question. Okay. All right. So the vegetarian on the call is ready for us to be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can't Okay. I'm so sorry, Sharon. I'm so sorry. And Audra's from Texas. No sympathy here. Right. Okay, so uh, let's let's get back on, on task here. We are talking about, you know, something that it just happens. Like it happens, um, it happens everywhere. It, it, it's not an uncommon thing, in, you know, if you're in youth ministry long enough to face the reality of when a student in your group is pregnant. And the whole thing is very tied into all sorts of different cultural pieces and taboos. And did it happen in a youth retreat? It may have happened there, right? But where do you guys begin when you hear about one of the students in your youth group being pregnant? I always like to start with grace. Yes. Um, and, And that sense of empathy and compassion. A youth who is pregnant is dealing with so much judgment from Mm. other people in literally every area of their lives that to start from a place of there's somebody who's going to be with you and love you and care about you is probably just invaluable to that young person. Mm. Yep, definitely. And I think that um, when, when we found out that there was a pregnancy in our youth group, 
the big thing, I found out about it through somebody else in the church. And that came with all of that commentary that Sharon was just talking about. So that my first response uh, was shutting that down, that their church shouldn't be a place where they, they come and feel this judgment because they were already, they were already on the bubble being comfortable around here. So yeah, definitely responding with grace and responding as an advocate, as someone who has their back no matter what in every situation, because they're going to be, it's a topic of conversation. It's depending on the, the, where you are, it could be even potentially scandalous. So that is worth shutting those conversations down as an adult who is interacting with other adults within the church, because this, this young person is now facing very adult decisions and very adult responsibilities. And they need adults in their lives who are going to come in and walk with them that aren't judgmental. And the church should, should be that place. And so making it that place for them is what one of our jobs should be. I think another piece to it is that we as youth directors, youth staff, uh, should not blame ourselves, especially if it's a situation where maybe it happened on a youth retreat, or we might run into to people who are going to be judgmental of our ministry and our programs and our church because we didn't do enough to, to teach this or to stop this or whatever. And, and the reason that I think that's important that we look and we, we don't find fault with ourselves is that that then frees us to deal honestly with the situation and and making sure that um, those involved, the, the young lady specifically, um, is being ministered to. We don't have to be, we don't personally have to carry uh, any sort of shame for lack of a better word. Our, our number one goal is that young lady who's, who's dealing with that and all of the parties involved, the families and the young man and all that kind of stuff. And there's there's going to be a lot of things that are going to come on us as as youth ministers that are going to try to to block us, uh, for lack of a better word, from from really caring where care is really really needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I've, I, one of the things that I've encountered every single time I've dealt with this is a group of varying size of parents who come and say, I don't want them there. Mm-hmm. Like, legit say, they don't need to be allowed to show up. Right. How do you respond to that? I mean, just hands down, that's not how we respond, because that's not who we are as the church. It's not our job to say that person's not allowed. But I guess, in so handling that conversation is asking the parent or whatever group that comes to you and says, you know, I don't want this person around my my child, is to ask them where their fears are coming from. I mean, pregnancy isn't contagious. Sex isn't contagious. So being able to name their fears and walk through that with them, and then coming up with a way to address that that doesn't victimize or discriminate against the the young parents and who, who they are. So the other question that I've gotten several times is the reality has been for this future mom has been at some point everybody is looking at them it is the only thing anyone Mm -hmm. wants to talk to them about and and they will say something you know i just don't know if i if i want to come anymore or they just stop showing up how do you approach that side of the situation I think a conversation with the young lady is is important because um, she is going to feel 
different. I mean, it's it's obvious. Uh, the, the way that we're we're wired is that she's going to begin to move into a quote mom mode. I mean, she's going to be thinking about the world and life differently. That may mean that she doesn't relate to her peers anymore it, right. like she used to. And so, mm-hmm. what kinds of things can we do? This, this is where ministry needs to be tailored to individuals and to be able to say, you know, maybe uh, Wednesday night Bible study isn't isn't the place for her, and and not because she's done something wrong, but it's not meeting her spiritual needs anymore. So, where right. what if we got a small group of young adults together, young moms, to meet with her and to walk through this journey? What mm-hmm. what if we what if we did what ministry is supposed to do and build relationships. I think that this is, it's not the norm that that kids get pregnant in our our youth programs. We don't need to deal with it as though it's the norm. There's there's an opportunity to create some really beautiful ministry opportunities for that young lady. And I think those ministry opportunities can really echo and mirror what the body of the church would do for someone who's welcoming a baby under more traditional circumstances, right? Mm -hmm. Um, How Mm -hmm. is a new baby welcomed into the family that is a church, that is at a church? Um, And why should that welcoming process be any different for this baby who's going to need a community around it to be able to support each other, right? It'd be really interesting to, to dive like deeply into the baptismal vows, right? Like looking at that with the youth group, and looking at that language of community and love and support and care that was promised to us, and we can consider promising um, not only for this baby, for but but also for this peer who's about to become a mom and and really shift gears, like you said. And being a teen mom is very very lonely. Everything mm-hmm. about their world has just shifted, and there are very few people that can relate to that. So having a community is important. And and mm-hmm. I really love what Scott said about making ministry beautiful in that moment and stepping up and filling in that gap for the, lo- you know, filling in that loneliness. You know, the other piece that is one of the possible outcomes is that, because we've been assuming that, that the baby ultimately ends up living with the birth parents or the, the birth mother in this case. But there are several ways that this could work out. Uh, a miscarriage, which is not uncommon in first pregnancies and in young pregnancies, could end with an abortion or it could end with adoption. We're here to kind of help other people process things and think through things. What are the things that a youth worker needs to be thinking about in terms of if one of those outcomes happens, where do they fit? What, are, what is their role in the life of this student? I think it's important to know that if if one of those resolutions is is how the pregnancy ends, the young woman will still be changed by that. Right. And to name that and to allow that to be said is so huge. A baby makes it possible to continue having conversations, but how do we allow someone who has had a transformative event to mm-hmm. continue to talk about that and how it's changed them and still changing them when there is no visible baby that is present? Right. Um, I think that silence can really be another source of, of loneliness going forward. Mm-hmm. Lots and lots and lots of conversation between the youth minister and the young lady, and if, if it's possible with her family, with the young man who's been a part of that, again, connecting her into resources, not only spiritual resources, but mental health resources. 
you know, the church has a great reputation for shying away from these kinds of things, walking right. away, turning our back on them. And, and how we've, how, why we have that reputation is because we've earned it. Yep. And, you know, youth workers, youth workers have, I mean, we push, youth workers push the envelope all the time. Right. And so here's another opportunity to, to model something different and, and, and to, to do it, it, it has to also be done very privately because we all know that there's going to be a lot of conversation, especially if, if the pregnancy was, was known, you know, if, if, if the young lady gets an abortion and nobody knows about it, that's, that's a whole nother set of issues. But, but those conversations, uh, inappropriate conversations will take place all around us. And, and it's a lot of management, but it also is a great opportunity for us to truly change a life and, and to, to, to change the narrative of, of the church. Yeah. You know, and I think that's an important word of caution there. You know, the reality is in this is one of those situations where you are going to be scrutinized, um, mm -hmm. uh, both by the parents and by the students. If you've been preaching grace and love and peace and mercy, and in this situation you don't exhibit those, it's going to be... Ed, those those kids are gonna really really notice that right and and you have a real opportunity to model a godly christ-centered life in moments where where there might be people on the outside really trying to get you to be less gracious um and and for students to be able to see you to bear that weight on behalf of 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 one of their own can be incredibly powerful Jeremy, I'm having uh, two thoughts here. One of them is uh, actually around the Christmas story that we're part of a faith tradition that is based on an unexpected teenage pregnancy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, you know, there is an opportunity to really engage in scripture as well um, right. and do some some looking at characters and, and, you know, how does the community that's around Mary respond to Mary? Why was it mm -hmm. such a big deal that Joseph stayed with Mary? Right. And uh, what does it mean for Mary to have peace and contentedness in the midst of what she knew she was going to be mm -hmm. charged with. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think there's some real, real opportunities there. And that takes some, some great mature spiritual leadership to be able to go through those stories. And then the other thought is certainly not nearly as religious, but there's a slightly older movie. Uh, it came out in 2004. It's called Saved. And, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's rated PG-13. There's absolutely some language in there, but it's kind of like a dark comedy look at uh, a young woman who goes to a Christian high school and gets pregnant and deals with some of the same issues that we've been talking about in terms of grace and support and friendships and loneliness and how somebody might get ostracized and what a good response to look at would be. So. If there's people out there that are looking for a non-religious re resource that might make you laugh a little bit, as long as you can get over the language, that one's a really, really interesting movie. Hmm. Yeah. Basically, you're saying you endorse it, but not officially. <laughs> He's saying watch it, but don't show it to your youth group. <laughs> no, I would not sit and watch that with my youth group. <laughs> Well, but they've already all seen it anyway, so what difference does right. it make? <laughs> no way, it was in 2004. It's on TV. Oh, yeah, you have to have it. You can't right. stream that. Um, <laughs> Not on <enough>. Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, you know, on that note, I just thank you guys for digging into this issue. Um, we, When you sit down, get online to work. We don't want you to feel like you're doing youth ministry by yourself. 
when you've got something difficult like this to process, we don't want you to feel like you have to do that by yourself. That's what we're doing here. That's what you find at the youthworkercollective.com games and lessons and coaching. And if you're looking for more podcasts like this one, you can do that at youthworkercollective.com slash podcast. Mm-hmm.